well. Welcome into Off the Edge with Ford and Marino, live from Birmingham, Alabama. However, you may be listening, the TuneIn app, Facebook Live, or the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I am Ford Brown. And I'm Marino. Welcome in to Off the Edge. Thank you, Edgers, for joining us yet again on another occasion. Uh, what a bright and sunny day on this Tuesday, or rainy or gloomy, wherever you may be listening. Uh, however, thank you for joining us here on the program. Fantastic day of sports. Loaded, as always. It can't get more loaded than this show. Off the Edge with Ford Marino starts right now. As we saw, the Dolphins have already embraced a Tony Romo-type injury where you knew that an injury was going to come with Ryan Tannehill. The question was just when. And like we saw last year, a preseason injury has now put the Dolphins in a quirky situation so what do they do now they have a couple of options they can stick with Matt Moore who didn't play atrocious but definitely didn't win the playoff game last year against the Steelers you can go out there and get the media frenzy guy Colin Kaepernick to come in or you can go sign who I've been saying is the best available quarterback right now that is Jay Cutler and Jay Cutler 2015 with Adam Gase Adam Gase was the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, Jay Cutler, had some of his best stats of his entire career. QBR, it was a 92.3, best of his career. Touchdown to interception ratio, almost a 2 at 21 to 11. Top 3 of his career. Yards per attempt, 7.6, one of the highest of his career as well. Jake Cutler and Adam Gase are a perfect fit. Welcome to Miami. You might actually have a defense to play with this year and some offensive talent around you. That's not an old running back in Matt Forte. You have Ajay Ajay who had a couple of 200-yard rushing games last season. You also have Jarvis Landry. Down there as well. Now, who is their tight end, Marino, that is down at the Dolphins this year? Because I know Charles Clay went to Buffalo. Is it is Jordan Cameron down there? I believe Jordan Cameron is down there. No, he's not down there. Who is it then? Can uh, we look that up, Hub? Can we? Can we? We're fact checking it. Love to have Hub Roberts in studio as a fact check. It's fantastic. But actually, get some weapons around Jay Cutler. His completion percentage. That was his second best of his career. All these stats are with Adam Gase. This is a perfect fit, and it's a perfect storm. Jay Cutler is not going to have the best year of his career. It's not going to be a Dolphins standout year, but this is a better viable option than anything else laid out on the table. 3,700 passing yards with Adam Gase in 2015 was Jay Cutler. He had four game-winning drives. The only person ahead of him was Carson Palmer. Oh, yeah, that Arizona Cardinals team went 13-3. and He was second in the league, 53 plays over 20 yards, 40 plays, 40-plus 40 yard plays. He had 10 of those. The 2015 Bears defense was absolutely atrocious. 20th in the NFL. Only had eight interceptions. That's 31st in the league, 31 throwing touchdowns allowed and only had 35 sacks that was 22nd in the league so give this man a defense I think this is a this is the best option on the table for the Dolphins what were you going to say hub at tight end for Cutler they got uh, Julius Thomas who's coming off from the Jaguars and then also Anthony Fasano did not know Julius Thomas was there when did he get there would have had it been just last year Uh, yeah because he got paid at the Jaguars yeah as as the kids would say, his seventh year in the league. I think this is fan- I think this is a fantastic fit for Cutler. He didn't want to go into broadcasting, but you know, on his face, it doesn't look like he wants to go into anything. Honestly, his his sheer excitement of becoming the Dolphins' quarterback that worries me a little bit. But I like what Adam Gase did with Ryan Tannehill, and I think Jay Cutler. Uh, in this case, is going to be a great fit to step in. He's not going to have to play in cold weather. He actually gets a defense. Um, However, he is stepping into a division where he is going to get beat by Tom Brady twice this year, but he can pick up some games against the Jets and the Bills. However, what do you think about Jay Cutler going to Miami? I think it's ridiculous for anybody to sit here and say that they thought that Jay Cutler was going to go to Miami because – this was almost a slam dunk. So if anybody who sits there and claims that this was kind of like a, oh, yeah, I could have told you that Jay Cutler was going to go there. Jay Cutler was the best option I, it, at quarterback. It just Everything just smelled like it was going to be there. You know, you had Adam Gase, the connection there, obviously. 
And Miami was looking for a guy who could drop back and just throw the football. And Jay Cutler can definitely sling the rock. I, I don't I don't doubt the decision to bring in Jay Cutler. And I've and I've kept this stance through this entire time that Jay Cutler was the best quarterback that the Miami Dolphins were available to get. Now, obviously, I think Tony Romo is the best quarterback out there that's available for anybody. But obviously, obviously, Miami couldn't pay the 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 contract that Tony Romo probably would want to come out of the broadcasting job at CBS. And, and he's got the number one job at CBS. In some cases, you can make a lot of money doing that for what twenty more years as a broadcaster. But you're on that big stage. You don't get anywhere to mm-hmm. cut your teeth. And here you are, the number one job, and that job will not be open for Tony Romo longer. So what do you want to do? Go get hurt. Play another year of football, maybe play another year of football. Uh, you might get hurt, or do you go to the broadcast booth before uh, Peyton Manning, before Drew Brees, before Tom Brady? I mean, you went about injuries. Uh, Jay Cutler hasn't been the most healthiest quarterback no, either. He hasn't. hasn't played a full 16 games since you, I mean, you go all the way back to the 2009 season with the Bears. What do you was the to? last time he played a full 16 game schedule? And that was right after he got traded from the Denver right Broncos. after he got traded. At, I think when you look at Jay Cutler, sure he makes sense for the Dolphins, but does this make a football sense? I, I think when you look at it, with every player you bring into your organization, there's going to be risk and reward. Now, whether or not that risk is going to be higher than the reward, that depends on which player you're looking at. For Jay Cutler, the reward is great arm, fits the system, Adam Gase, that connection. You don't have to start over. The system's still there. What's the risk, though? High turnovers. This guy is a high turnover machine. We have seen him the last four seasons. You know, Forget last season, though. He only played five games. But the prior to that, five seasons, 11 interceptions, 18, 12, 14. Multiple double-digit interception years. Jay Cutler turns the football over. That's the risk you're taking with this guy. Well, so and does how, Drew Brees. And-, and not only that... What was a few question marks he had when he was in Chicago was mutual leader. Yeah, did he care about the game? No. I think not a big time emotional guy, not really driven in the locker room. A lot of doubts from a lot of different teammates. That's kind of the mindset you have going into Miami. So yes, I get it. He fits. He's the best option they had. You had to take him because Ryan Tannehill's out. Matt Moore probably not going to get it done for you. Jay Cutler can win you some football games. Obviously, he has won football games. But he's never been that guy that you've ever looked at and said, you know what, this guy could take us over the top. Jack Keller's never been that guy. Now, for the Dolphins, I mean, you're not going to win the division anyways, so I mean, I get he's it. He's a pretty good Band-Aid right now. He's, a, he's, he's good for you for the time being. I get it. But to sit here and say give him any kind of praise I think is just kind of a little bit overrated. I think what we're doing right now is we're struggling to find something to talk about before the NFL season, and this is the best we got. Because if Jay Cutler is really the lead topic for NFL top right now man well, we need football a, to get here he's going to be a, fast, a starting NFL quarterback I, I think that's worthy enough to talk about it but Jay Cutler I, I get the injuries that that's understandable his attitude and kind of his mantra towards the game the the comments that he said he doesn't have to be in shape uh he's got a huge arm this guy is a is a poor man's Aaron Rodgers just like I say Shia LaBeouf is a poor man's um, Nicholas Cage. This guy is the equivalent to Shia LaBeouf, Nicholas Cage, Jay Cutler. Wow, that that, that says Rodgers. a lot about what you think about Shia LaBeouf. If you're comparing him to Nicholas Cage, Shia LaBeouf's a ridiculous actor. He's a ridiculous actor, and Nicholas Cage is probably is even, not on his level. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is Nicholas Cage has 30 movies on Netflix, and none of them have a plot. Exactly. Anyways, Jay Cutler is a poor man. Aaron Rodgers doesn't get along. With doesn't get along great, I would say, with front office. And outside of Adam Gase, who is Jay Cutler going to talk to on this team? I mean, we've seen NFL players tweet and and just pretty much say, wow, Jay Cutler got a job. I mean, you look at the press conference picture. I mean, Jay Cutler looks like he's sitting there and he's just he's apart from everybody else. He just he, it looks like he was like literally CGI'd into that picture with the Dolphins. He does not it, care it, it, it does all. not even look like he is a part I can't of that believe room. he put on a Dolphins collared shirt. That blows my mind. And not just the number six jersey or something. Jay Cutler signed one year, $10 million, $3 million in incentives. What was the year that he absolutely robbed the Chicago Bears where they gave him like one of the most ridiculous contracts? He was like the highest paid. 2012 or something. Yeah, somewhere around that year. 
and he just robbed them blind. Like, I mean, there's still a warrant out for his arrest for a robbery in Chicago because, I mean, he took all that money and had one of the poorest seasons ever. I think it was this year. I'm looking at it. 2012, you said 19 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. Played 15 games that year and went 10-5, and five, surprisingly. That was when uh, that five. was Lovey Smith. That was Lovey Smith last year, wasn't it? I, I believe uh, you're And they right. missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. How crazy! That was when that division. Was you had really Aaron Rodgers winning really Super good. Bowls. Uh, you still had Calvin Johnson, but they, the Lions weren't doing anything. That's mm-hmm. when that division yeah. was the Bears and the Packers. Uh, still more on off the edge, right around the corner. Still, I just think Jay Cutler is a great fit for Adam Gase right now because you don't have outside of Jay Cutler. Who do you have? Colin Kaepernick, RG three, and then you've got a trade to get a backup quarterback. What, what, are you going to give up everything for Jimmy Garoppolo? They're not going to go in division. They're, they're not going to let him go in division. I think you look at it and you say, did they draft anybody? Did they draft any quarterbacks? Is there an opportunity to, for that? I mean, I mean, I think that, yes, you know, Jay Cutler fits the bill and it made sense. Sign him. But looking at it long term, what are you going to do in the future? Yeah, if well, you're the Dolphins? Moving well, forward, year, what does the Dolphins do? I when mean, is Ryan Tannehill going to? See, I, I think that this – I think this would make sense if you were a team that was like a Houston Texans who was just missing a quarterback and needed to something to. But if you're the Dolphins, what, what are you what are you playing for just for one year? You're bringing Jay Cutler in just to go just second to in try. division let's, and then yeah, just, let's just let's just see how it goes. Uh, I think I think he's a better option than Matt Moore. I also think Jay Cutler with Adam Gase is going to be second in the division. No, you're right, second because the Jets are going to be an easy oh, two yeah. wins. I mean, and then yeah. the Bills this year, I think, are going to struggle but have a great run. But game I think I, th- I think the Dolphins still go 0 two against the Patriots. I don't think Jay Cutler makes you any more closer to the Patriots than what you were. I think you're still the same distance away from New England that you were yesterday. Right around a- the in, corner. In fact, I could probably make an argument that they got even farther away because Jay Cutler throws a lot of turnovers. A lot of t- hey, a lot of risk. Andrew Luck throws a lot of turnovers. Peyton Manning had a hundred interceptions in his first what, like five, five years, some ridiculous number like that. Peyton Manning got better though. Peyton Manning Jay did get C- better. Jay Cutler's got progressively worse. Well, J- Jay Cutler plays played in a cold, windy city, and I think a lot of people just gave up on him, including himself. I think he gave up on him, gave up on himself as well. Now he comes to the Dolphins. He's got to you know remake a name for himself. He didn't get the number one job like Tony Romo at Fox. He had the number two job, so I think it was kind of easier for him to step back. I think Fox knew what he was doing. They knew that he was going to go back into the game of football. I just think this is the best fit for the Dolphins right now. And when Ryan Tannehill comes back next year, they will still be the same average team that they, they have been since Dan Marino. Hey, we'll see. It's only a few weeks away. We'll see. Off the edge, right around the corner. We got to talk a little MLB. We got trade deadline. We got to recap, and then we're going into the playoffs. It's coming fast. What what game number are we at right now, Hub? Probably five hundred fifty something like that. How many games are we at right That's now? Right at one hundred. Right at one hundred. We just passed a hundred. Really. So that means we only have sixty more games to go. It's coming quick. Goodness gracious, that is just you say you say wow. Hey, we're. We're three-fourths of the way through the season. Oh, there's 60 more games. Goodness gracious. Off the edge, Ford Marino. Back after this. Back on Off the Edge with Ford Marino. Welcome back, Edgers, to the program. Uh, a little baseball talk with Hub Roberts. This is the only guy I know that actually cares about the MLB. Um, besides Jack wise. Ryan. Yeah, besides Jack Ryan. Actually, besides pretty much everyone but me. I know Sam That's likes true. baseball. I know you like baseball. That's true. Uh, I've, I've got a couple people that, that like baseball. For baseball, I'm a big bandwagon guy. Who's ever playing well, I'll jump on that bandwagon, and I'll watch that. I like the Indians last year. I didn't want to see the Cubs win. I like the Indians last year. I think the Cubs should have won a World Series this year. Would have been better for baseball. Would have been more interesting. Um, but, you know, it's fine. It's whatever. Uh, Hub, I've got to know, in the break, you were just talking to me about you're going to be featured in a, in a movie, a short story. What did you just tell me? There's uh, some movements going on with, uh, let's just say, when I was working with the Barons, which I still am doing, me and one of the strength coaches wrote these conversations, and it's getting worked on. To be it's in. getting featured in a book. 
Okay, look, Hub. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be frank. I'm not going to read the book, but I need to know what happens in it. Okay, I, I'm not a big book reader. I don't sit down and read books. It's getting worked on right now, but it may be out sometime this fall. Come on, go go ahead and eat that mic up. Don't just, you don't even have to look at me. Just talk. You know what I mean? Maybe out talk. sometime this fall. Sometime this fall. All right, give me a synopsis. Can I? Can I go? Coming soon to a library near you. Co- yeah, coming soon. Hub Roberts fills the shelf. Hub, if you were a book, what kind of book would you be? Uh, I'd say more of a comedy slash action. I was going to say a dictionary <laughs> because of the fact check and going to be honest, it's a pretty thick book. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? I am pretty thick. Look at me. Thick with two C's though. Yeah. Now, back to what you led in with to the segment. You said it would have been better for the Cubs to, you know, win the World Series this year. Actually, there's they have a chance right now. Uh, no, well, no what, what I'm saying is they should have lost to the Indians, and then this year they win the whole thing. Then we would have gotten three good years of the Cubs going uh, to the playoffs, to the to, what is it, the NLCS. Yeah. They went to the NLCS, then they went to the championship, law, or the World Series, lost, and now they go to the World Series and win it. But the style they won it last year, was it was pretty impressive. I, I'll, I guess I'll take Well, it. they're starting to make a push again. They picked up Jose Quintana, Justin Wilson, and Alex Avila uh, at the deadline. They did get rid of many prospects there. Uh, they lost Eloy Jimenez, who's baseball's top prospect, to the White Sox, and he's absolutely tearing it up as he's transitioned to the south side of Chicago. Now, a few other contenders that have made some moves. Uh, the Dodgers, they acquired Yu Darvish. Uh, that's, a big di- that's a big deal as Kershaw is still hurt right now. So the, the Dodgers are looking for a staple in their rotation, and they found that in Yu Darvish. So... Uh, that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. And also the Yankees made uh, two big trades, one with the White Sox and one with the A's. And, dang, they didn't give up much to get Sonny Gray, who's coming up as one of the most underrated and prominent pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Sonny Gray looks impressive. He looks very, very impressive. Now with the trade they had with the White Sox, they, have a, they get a vet. They get a veteran bat uh, and Todd Frazier. They add some bullpen depth with uh, David Robertson and Tommy Canley. And Canley's having a career year this year. He changed up his windup a little bit, and he's actually— Did he? Because I know it was bothering him a little bit. He's actually, this year, he's around a 238 ERA, opposed to in years past where he's been touching four and up in the mid-threes. And he is—his strikeout rate— He's only walking one batter per nine innings. For a playoff team, your bullpen has to have depth. You have Dellen Batances, Aroldis Chapman, who's still kind of on his honeymoon last year from the playoffs. He's starting to pick back up. Now you add David Robertson and Tommy Canley. That's a bullpen that when you're having a bad day or with your starters or your starters just go deep, you have more weapons to close the game out for you. And you look at the trades that some of these teams made. Hub, how important are these prospects that you look at? Because I look at prospects as this. In baseball, it's it's a lot like other sports, but like the windows are so much smaller. Like with baseball, it's it's really hit or miss. Like guys' windows in the MLB are even smaller than guys in the NFL, I see what the you NBA. Did there. Hit or miss? I see what you did there. Yeah. So I mean, like literally though. I mean, like so so you you look at how much is it worth when you give away prospects for these big name guys? When you go after a Sonny Gray, when you go after a U Darvish, is it really that big of a deal when you give up these guys in the pharmacy system? Uh, I would say it is kind of a big deal sometimes, but when you're how many farm league teams are there? Well, each team has about six affiliates in the okay. 30 teams. Okay, so, so there is there is thousands of minor league baseball players. Mm-hmm. Thousands. thousands of them. Your so window I, is so I'm going, small. I'm going to give up a fire ant to get a big-name guy. I wouldn't say a fire ant. You're giving up your better one of your better prospects that are on the fringe of making it to the big That league. may or may not pan out. Are those, are those prospects going to amount anywhere near a Kershaw-Trout um, Who's the guy? I love. Or even, or even just like a Sonny Gray or you Darcy, they're gonna be like that good. Yeah. Well, are they going to pan out to be like that? You got to think as the games evolved, we've gone away, we've gone with this Moneyball and sabermetrics and all this advanced stats. You know, the Amazon Statcast launch rate, all that. At the end of the day, it's just getting down to playing baseball. And you know, they have scouts almost at every game going into the deadline, looking at these guys to make sure that they think. 
that are, they're going to pan out. So, obviously... What does uh, a scout do when they go to a game? What's the first thing they look at? They're watching... How clean their uniform is? Because that's what I look at in baseball. That's how I tell who plays. Well, that's that's a sign of a good clubhouse manager right that's, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know it. I'm going to give myself a little uh, pat on the back oh there. Oh, my gosh. But, I, I uh, meant during the game, uh, not when they're hanging up on the jerseys, in the lo- hanging up on the hangers in the locker room. Uh, there so were, there, I, I look, I want to know this. Who's making the playoffs? Right now, I mean... It's a tight race on both sides. Uh, the NL wild card race, the Rockies and D-backs. The NL West has had an unreal year. You have three of the top teams in the National League. In that division, you have the Dodgers, who are baseball's best team right now, I think. And then you have the Rockies and D-backs, who are edging each other out in the wild card race, and they'll play in to play the Dodgers. It's so probably the toughest it. division in the yeah. MLB right now. No doubt. Usually yeah. you see that with the AL AL East with the Boston, Toronto, and the Yankees, but Toronto's had an off year, and the Yankees are starting to make a push. And now that the Red Sox have acquired Chris Sale in the off season, and other, and they've brought up uh, Rafael Devers and acquired Eduardo Nunez, they're pushing an offensive front now, and they've actually just recently retaken the lead over the Yankees. They're uh, three games up over the Yankees in the AL East right now. Uh, so you got the Yankees leading the wild card in the AL, and then Kansas City and Tampa Bay are tied. So that's another little tight race that we'll uh, see watching. And Kansas City added some depth there with Melky Cabrera at the trade deadline from the White Sox. And Tampa Bay also got some bullpen depth with Dan Jennings as well. This is just impressive. So you look so you look at your six division leaders. You, know, you get the Nationals, Cubs, Dodgers, Red Sox, Indians, and Astros. Who are the legitimate teams that are going to contend for the World Series? Tell me who's going to be the final two teams in the World Series. Who's it going to be? Honestly, this year, I think the Dodgers are going to edge out the Cubs. The Dodgers and then the Dodgers should have edged out the Cubs last year. So the Dodgers and who? Uh, who do the Dodgers meet up with? It's going to, I think, be either Houston or Boston. Houston actually right now is in the process of making a move for Justin Verlander. That's as of... Uh, the past 24 hours. Be outstanding. He got. That'd be so great. So, Ford, you're not, probably not familiar with this. Cole is. Uh, every year at July 31st, they have the baseball trade deadline. And after that, you have to go on revocable waivers. Well, the Tigers didn't move Verlander, so he's been put on revocable waivers and been claimed by the Astros. And now they're trying to make a deal to send him to the Astros. And if they add Verlander to the Astros with Carlos Correa, Jose that's, Altuve, who's uh, leading now, the AL. I know those guys. That's going to be pretty nasty. That's going to be an unreal lineup right there. See, the only problem I have with baseball is everyone's last names sound like a type of dog or a fancy bar drink. That it it kind of it kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit, but I love the knowledge and the time you put in to giving me a just a meat sandwich of stats and and winners and who's going to do this and and who's going there. It's fantastic for our baseball listeners right now. They're applauding you, Hub Roberts. Thank you so much. You're welcome. That was fantastic. That was, that was that was twelve minutes of of just baseball old guy knowledge right there. I was I was old guy sitting here in a Jameis Winston jersey. Knowledge, baseball knowledge. Got the crab legs though. It's just way too easy. For he's the he's the complete he's the complete crab. He's not just the crab legs. You're the claws. Yeah, and no, everything. yeah you are the crab. The you are the, the crab. The crab the Roberts thing. is with us. Well, tonight. I appreciate you guys letting me have some time to talk. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, come on. Well, you know, you talk about something that I don't know a lot about, and and I learn. I love to learn stuff on this show. It's fantastic. Off the edge, Ford Marino. Back after this with Daily Edge News. Welcome back in to Off the Edge with Ford Marino Edgers. Thank you for joining us today, and let's go ahead and jump into it. Daily Edge News with the elite reporter on his way to the middle of nowhere. We'll probably ride a an old horse and wagon out there at Oklahoma State University. Ride in the sunset. Hub Roberts. Yes, we'll we'll take a we'll take an, an old Lewis and Clark trail out there, forge the Mississippi River, and be on his way to a sports something degree that he's going to wrap his arms around and try to go out there and take the world by its belt. Find myself a little Sacagawea along the way, too. All right. <laughs> Daily Edge News. <laughs> All right. The New Daily England Patriots become the first NFL team to buy their own plane to fly to games. Make that two. Sources tell ESPN that the reigning Super Bowl champions bought two 
Boeing 767 wide-body jets in the offseason retrofitted the planes with all first-class seats, some which reclined completely on the outside of the planes is the team logo and five Lombardi trophies on the tail. This is an awesome story. What did I, you say about Sacagawea? That, <laughs> wow, that, you, you just missed that entire I, story. No, I, I, I heard it. That's about. look when you're Robert Kraft and you win five Super Bowls and you have a you have a quarterback that's the greatest of all time. You can go out and buy as many private jets as you want to. This is fantastic. What were you saying? Oh, I was just saying the rich get richer, right? Yeah. I mean, awesome. it's the New England first Patriots. First class? They're, I mean, the Patriots are kind of like the first class of the NFL, so I, I feel like they probably should ride first class. So, I mean. Speaking of the Patriots, that statistic about Tom Brady going to the Super Bowl, he has a better shot of going to the Super Bowl than Russell Westbrook has of making, making a, a shot. Bowl. That's incredible. I feel like there's a lot of players in the league that we could say that about. It's not Russell Westbrook, but I think we just want to target Russell Westbrook yeah. so hard in social media that I, we're going to look. I for also feel like it's Tom Brady is so good that that stat's so ridiculously incredible. I'm sure there's a lot of 43 percent you could probably apply to John Wall. Probably applied to a lot of things besides just the Phillips right. and Russell Westbrook. But this this story right here is very good, and I'm I applaud the Patriots because. This is just a sign of the Patriots taking care of their players. I can't believe you this want to see an owner who wants before. to take care of them. Yeah, you know what? I can't believe we haven't seen this out of out of all the organizations buying their own team plane. I mean, these they're making billions. Plus, if Robert Kraft, another way to you know kind of flash your Lombardi trophies. There, everybody put it on the tail of your plane. All right, well, let's toss that, Marina. Let's go to number two. Former Cleveland Cavaliers general manager David Griffin said that Kyrie Irving showed courage by asking for a trade. Quote, he handled the situation exactly like he was supposed to, Griffin said to ESPN's The Jump. He went to Cavs owner Dan Gilbert privately, told him that he thought he'd be happier somewhere else. Uh, Okay, I guess he handled it the right way if you're going to request a trade, but you also don't request a trade from the best player in basketball, Kyrie. Maybe you handled it the right way, but it's not the right thing to do. It wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah, you made the argument about that, but... You know, Griffin's comment is he showed courage, and I think yeah, if, if you're going to go out there and say yeah, I want to trade from LeBron James, you got to have some kind of animosity there. I mean, you oh, got to yeah. have some you kind gotta of have a set. You got to have, have a set. Definitely have to have a set because you're going after, like you said, the greatest player in the game, saying you would basically want out of this situation. I mean, yeah, it takes a little bit. I don't think courage is the right word though, because I, I think they're getting the, that definition kind of mixed up there though. All right. Oh, I bet he was scared. I didn't toss it yet, yeah. Hub. I bet he was scared. I bet he was trembling when he went up and, yeah. Oh, and yeah. asked for a trade. Toss it. All right. For his 26th birthday, Los Angeles Angels superstar Mike Trout gave himself a gift that will last a lifetime, a major league milestone. The reigning American League MVP notched his 1,000th career hit with a double in the fourth inning of a 6-2 loss to the Baltimore Orioles. This kills me about baseball. Something incredible happens, and you you still get whooped. But Mike Trout has an incredible stat, and I'm sure there's, like we just said, there's 60 games left in the season. This is really cool by Mike Trout, but the biggest thing that I get is how good are the Baltimore Orioles and how good are the Los Angeles Angels? How, how, good, how good are the Los Angeles Angels? They're middle of the pack right now. How good are the Orioles? They're middle of the pack. And they, the who's the, who's the Orioles' biggest star? Manny Machado. Don't know who that Chris, is. Is Chris Davis still there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Davis is still there. So you've got Mike Trout, at a, a monster at the peak of his powers, and you're just an average team? That bothers me. Here's the thing, though. People want to say Trout and compare him to Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper hit his 150th career home run at age 24. Trout just hit his 150th career home run at age 26. Who's better? I don't know. We'll see. But, but I know. I know. It's see, not this, Trout. This, this, is the hu- the, this is the biggest point that you can draw from this, though. It, well, aside from the fact that I think he's just one of three guys that's ever done this on his on their birthday, which is that that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But I think it also just proves how much of a team sport baseball is. Individuals are not going to win your championships yeah. in baseball. It's going to take the, the teams like the Cubs, where they have multiple stars, or like the Yankees having multiple stars those few years. you got to have a lot of guys. One guy like Mike Trout is not going to make a difference. Well, it's it, not yeah. like basketball where you can take a LeBron James to an NBA championship every single year by one player. You've got to have good prospects. You've got to have good pitching. You've got to have a collection of guys that are working together for one initial goal. And Mike Trout is a great player, but he just cannot carry the angles on his back. 
All right, well, let's go ahead and move to point number four. All right, Panthers coach Ron Rivera made the announcement Tuesday at training camp that Cam Newton will sit out the Panthers' preseason opener against the Houston Texans on Wednesday night while he continues to battle soreness in his right throwing shoulder. Cam Newton, he might have 3,000 passing yards this season if he can even play that long. If Cam Newton plays over 14, if he plays over 13 games, he will have around 3,000 passing yards this season and probably five concussions. He's playing out of control. He's he's below average quarterback now. The decline of Cam Newton. That Super Bowl was probably the worst thing that could ever happen to Cam Newton because now the decline of of where's Brent Fullenwater? A big number one up here is is happening quick. Right before our eyes. Yeah, that's that, that's that's Brent's guy, isn't it? But no, I, I agree. I think Cam. We've seen the digression of him, and we we saw his peak. We we, we I feel like we've already seen the best that Cam Newton could be during that MVP season. It's kind of like in college. We saw your best, and it's time to move on. Now, it, 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 the question in the NFL is not how good can you be, how much better can you be than what you think your best is how much better can you get from there because the nfl is always getting better there's always improvements being made defenses are always getting better coordinators are always figuring out how to stop you and find out different ways they can stop you and so if you're cam newton what did you do to get better and i don't i i think he's gotten worse ever since then you have to think and, the, and, the decline. and at this point where where is there where is there room to grow for him well, he's got to stay in the pocket. He's got to learn how to be a pocket And he doesn't want to do that. No. No, he doesn't. He, he said, said he didn't want to do it. I don't want to lose my edge. You don't want to lose your edge. So that means you just don't want to win football You games. don't want to be in this league either. It's not. Hey, they're not going to put up with that much longer. Either Ron Revere or Cam will get the outst. I get he's a number one overall pick, but the outst will come fast if you don't learn how to throw the ball down the field accurately. Accurately being the word you have to hang on here. That is Daily Edge News. we got more to come off the edge with Ford Marino right after this. Welcome back to Off the Edge with Ford Marino. What an exciting day. Hub Robertson Studio with us. Laugh a minute, that's for sure. Or a laugh a segment, however you want to look at it, I guess. Um, but you know what? Kelvin is not here today, and but we're going to do it anyway. Jumping in to the two-minute drill. Ready, ready! Get your mind right. Hit it! Live for the pain! Let's go! It's time for the two-minute drill. All right, so we're recapping the Saints training camp. I went there on Wednesday. Marino, it's fantastic. Probably, dare I say, more fun than a game because of how close you are to the fans. Just some notes that I took from the camp. AP looked full steam ahead. This man was doing full-speed spin moves 10 yards away from me. And I'll be honest, once I picked my jaw up off the ground, I fanboyed extremely hard. Uh, we also have Zach Streif looks extremely healthy. The man's only 6'6", 325 pounds. It, it was funny, Marino. Everyone placed their helmet down very meticulously, very carefully. Zach Streif walks over there, doesn't want to bend over, and just throws it down. Fantastic news for him being healthy. Um, the ball at these training camps does not hit the ground. It is it is impressive as all get out. You cannot sit there and watch a football fly through the air all day and just it doesn't touch the ground. They do not miss a pass. What makes it weird is that when you watch an NFL game, they're going so full speed and sometimes the ball does hit the ground in NFL games that when you're watching training camp, you you don't see wide receivers drop it, which brings me to another point. Brandon Coleman looks exceptional. He looks like the wide receiver number two, putting Willie Sneed at three and Ted Ginn Jr. as the downfield threat. Ted Ginn, one play, went full speed with Drew Brees. Absolutely flew down the field. And I don't even want to guess how old Ted Ginn is because of the uh, the whole Tom Savage situation that just went down here on the show. Um, but, again, Ted Ginn looks full speed and flying. Alvin Kamara catches everything in sight out of the backfield, slot wide receiver. You know, a lot smaller in person than I thought he was going to be, but Alvin Kamara can fly. The biggest addition that I saw playing out there, and I did not get to see the new cornerback out of Ohio State, Marshawn Lattimore, out there running around trying to guard uh, the best wide receiver, Michael Thomas, that the Saints have. I saw Marcus Williams, a safety out of Utah, lay Willie Sneed out. It was a big awe and ooh from all the coaches and the fans and everyone kind of held their breath as Willie Sneed lays there on the ground. Willie Sneed, a pretty good wide receiver option, 
only signed for $650,000 on a one-year contract. I think the Saints are holding out some money on him. Um, but always, you know, big Saints guy looked fantastic. And the fan, it, as a fan, going to that is more fun than going to a game. And that is the two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Being a champion is not easy. You've got to go, Marino. You've got to go to a to a, a fan day open training camp. It was fantastic. I've been to a fan day. Fantastic. I've been to a fan day in Tuscaloosa before. Yeah, but the, the pro, the pro. What? Oh, there's, oh, there's pros there. You've got to. There's, guy, there's guys who pros. ends up in the pros. Future pros. Trust me. It's, it's just so crazy to watch them because there's no track. There's no warning track. There's no track and field in the high school stadium, stuff like that. It is strictly just a football field, and you were sitting on metal bleachers about five yards off of it, and it was awesome being there watching it. Watching Drew Brees throw baseballs instead of footballs, it was fantastic. You were a real pro's pro. Yes, I did get to see John Coon. That video was awesome. I thought you were going to give me more on that video, and I'm kind of mad that you didn't. I thought you'd be more excited that I told John Coon that because the pros pros kind of like an underlying joke between us, and, and I'm mad you didn't give me more on that John Coon. Well, I, I, I told you. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I, but, but the lack of response from John Coon just kind of diminishes it. Made me mad. You know, and I didn't realize how old he was. He's about 34 years old. Two Super yeah. Bowl rings. Uh I feel like if you are that kind of guy, this is your last team, this is like your last stint in the NFL, I feel like you would give a fan more if they're going to call you a real pro's pro after the Green Bay Packers and the Saints Twitter. I give you props. I look, I, if I had to rate the video, i give you an 8.5 out of 10 for, the, for calling them out. But i give you about a 3 out of 10 for his response. Yeah, the, yeah the, the response wasn't there. But... You know, it's the effort that counts. It's the effort in this that counts. Business. Yeah. And the effort to tell Which you, I think John Kuhn could attest to because he only gets about what? Two carries a game? Around that. He so had three touchdowns in counts. a San Diego Chargers game last year. And. Off of how many carries, though? Well, he caught, he caught one as well. I oh, think. he caught one. Okay. Um, but he, it was one of those weird. Sean Payton's going to pick He's this one guy. He's the last few guys who are actually like a legitimate fullback, yes, I would think. Yes. A. a a fullback that is a real student of the game, a real pros pro. And when I got the opportunity to tell him that, didn't realize he had red hair either. Didn't realize that. It's red? Yes, it's red. And that, that you know, that was a little weird as well. Could have been just, you know, sunburnt a little maybe, bit. Maybe, maybe. But, um, it's baking in, out down there in New Orleans. Anytime probably. it was an absolute swamp. I'm sure. It was the hottest. I haven't been that hot since. That old, that, that old that, scalp of his might have been a little burnt. May, probably, especially being a redhead, probably so. I haven't been that hot since the old the old oven fiasco a couple years back. Um, going on our worst to first team, I, I guess it's time to do number eighteen. You know, we, we've been a, a tad lackluster on this. Is it eighteen or seventeen? Maybe seventeen. I think it's seventeen. It, you know, it doesn't. We, one week we're just we're just going to go to the top ten. We're just going to skip over these just midline forget teams. All the other teams. Yeah, just go top uh, ten. We're, but we're going to do the Lions today, Hub. I want to know what their biggest off season transaction. Um, which I can probably tell you was the exit of Larry Woodford, the guard who went to the Saints. He looked very good, massive. It's pretty much just a stump. So a good a legs. good transaction for the Saints, not so much for the Lions. No, not at all. I think that was one of their biggest guys leaving. Did they have any additions this year that will make them a better football team? Well, they added Cyrus Quanjo, uh, who had that kind of freak accident in Buffalo, got released, and now he's actually got picked up by Detroit. Him and former Ram uh, Greg Robinson are fighting for the left tackle job, so that's something interesting to watch. Auburn versus Alabama type again, competition. Greg wow, Robinson never what stops. A, what a name! I haven't heard that name in forever. That never you know, stops. first round, first round pick, and he's now on the second team. We'll see how that ends up. Both of them were actually not taking reps the other day, according to the Pride of Detroit on SB Nation. Uh, that uh, undrafted rookie was actually taking first-team reps, but both of them uh, are back playing, and now it looks like it's going to be Quanjo and Robinson fighting to protect Stafford's blindside. Now, also, another thing that uh, is mentioned on here is that Stafford has apparently gotten quicker. He's going out of the pocket a little more. Uh, but yeah, I, I saw him that. moving around, and the whole leggings. Phase. I'm sure that's a great idea for him. Yeah, let's just if, if you can't if you can't succeed inside the pockets, that hey, just, here's yeah, a little tip: just start start running out. I like Stafford's arm. He had one of the biggest arms coming out of college, and, and I get big arms don't equal up to 
every statistic in football, but I like Stafford. I, I think he's going to do he's good never, this year. He's never I mean, changed he, his throwing style. He has three or four years where he had Theo Riddick, Calvin Johnson, Golden Tate. He had targets there, and he produced pretty well when those targets were healthy. Reggie Bush, remember Reggie Bush was there? But again, the Lions. So the Lions last year go what nine and seven, nine and seven for the Lions last year, and then this year throwing the football has never been a problem for them though. It's the running game. Look it's at their rushing their running game. back healthy. Look at this. Three hundred and fifty-seven yards was their lead rusher. That the is Riddick. atrocious. What's their rushing yards as a total though? Thirteen hundred. You know, it's not bad. How many running backs did they have last season? Well, let's see. They had Theo Riddick, Zach Renner, Dwayne Washington, Amir and then Abdul. Matthew Stafford is listed as a rusher with 207. Amir Abdullah only played a few games. Yeah. They had 1,300 had yards, yards. Out, of, out of six running backs. That is well, they were, that's also counting. That's also counting the receivers that also run that ran. Oh, too. They're also going to have Golden Tate. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Ezekiel Anza starting the year injured. So uh, also Justin Forsett, who they brought in, who they were hopeful was going to be a bigger impact. He was very limited because of injuries. What as a well. shock! Injuries plaguing the Lions once again. Look, man, it happens. The, the Lions are one of the Detroit most snake bitten teams in the NFL. Calvin Johnson even said it. He would. He came out and said if he wasn't playing for the Lions, he would possibly still be playing in the NFL right now. It's just one of those organizations that is not. Gifted when it comes to injuries or breaks, bad breaks seem to happen. Bad luck just always seems to go their way. I mean, it's just fantastic now coaching. I mean, yeah. You, you, when have you ever said, "Wow, that's a fantastic coaching decision"? When does talk about the Lions? Have we ever said that? <laughs> getting getting well? Matt Stafford, literally getting Matt Stafford. That's the only thing they've ever done that's that's decent. Now, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. I mean, that 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 was that was a pretty big deal too. I mean, I I think that was. A big deal, and we thought that Indomitian Sue was a pretty big thing for them when they got him. I thought he was going to be a world beater in Detroit, well, a difference he, maker on defense, which he was to an he's extent. He's a stomper. He's not a beater. He's a stomper. Wow, I I didn't His think we were, I, 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 thought, I thought we were ridiculous. past that. I no, because we it's going to happen again. You know, it's going to happen again. I tell you what, talking defensive tackles, Indomitian Sue leaving for that price. I'm happy. Here's a question: During practice one day. Because, you know, Sue and Cutler had some, you know, altercations they did, in the field. They did. So what do you think the practice is going to be like with Sue and Cutler together? I, I think they'll be they'll Once be you get on the same yeah, team, they'll think, be pros. Do you think any of those stomping – do you think Cutler has any of those, like, nightmares, like, while he's sleeping, like – I would. Like, like think about like Sue stomping stomp on his throat well, during you, practice. You think something like that happens. We see it on hard knocks, you know, offense, defense, guys getting fights all the time. They're going to protect their quarterback if he does something stupid. But if it's the Jay Cutler we've seen in Chicago, maybe teammates don't stick up for him as much. He's got a good point. Maybe some of the Dolphins' teammates are like, you know, Matt Moore, more of my guy. Matt Moore was my guy. Now, going back to uh, Calvin Johnson real quick, we saw this offseason Marshawn Lynch retired from the Seahawks, took a year off, his rights were still with Seattle, got released, and now is with the Raiders. Is that something that you guys think we can see with Calvin? I, I cannot believe, yes, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I cannot believe that Calvin Johnson doesn't take $0.0 and go play for the Patriots and win a rank. Oh, no doubt. Him and Tom Brady would be hooking up like crazy. Now, Hub, look, it's a family show, okay? I mean, I think, on the field. You got Brandon Cooks, you got Brandon Cooks, and then you would bring in a huge target like that. I can't believe he wouldn't go to Along the Patriots or, or a, a, a Raiders or, or some organization that has a great opportunity to win. Sticking on the Lions, though, what do you think, going moving forward, their prediction for their regular season? I think they'll be better than the Bears. I think they'll be better than the nice – Go ahead and jumping in there. I think they'll be better than the Vikings, um, but I I don't think they'll get to that Packers level. I think the Packers win around ten games this year, and the Lions are going to eight games, maybe get to the ninth game. I could see them going nine games. Realistically, if I had to put, hey, today's the Lions' day, right? It's it's August eighth, so it's eight eight. So it's eight and eight. So it's oh it's, it's National uh, Detroit Lions Day. National. So eight wins. I I would go eight wins. And we're about to start hitting that eight win mark until we get to the Green Bay's, the Seattle's, the New England's. That's where we're going to start to see. So the top twelve. Pretty yeah, much. Pr- pretty the much. Upper yeah, 10, that's the only people because there. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are one or two games away from being at that wild eight, card team. Anywhere from seven and nine yeah. to nine and seven. 
A lot of that's that's most teams seven and nine, nine and seven. That's where most teams are. And if uh, you're in that category, that's not a bad place to be in necessarily because you're actually you're a team that everybody recognizes as a team that you have to be prepared for every Sunday. Yes, because you're the midline team. You can beat anybody on any given week. Last year, the Saints seven and nine. Just using them as an example, lost the season opener to some ridiculous brave call uh, by the Raiders for Derek Carr to throw it up. Uh, to Michael Crabtree and get a two-point conversion. Then the Denver Broncos guy who got the, um, on special teams, got the field goal block, ran it back. He stepped out of bounds. So the Saints were just two plays away from being 9-7. and seven. And I get you have to win those plays, but you change that around and, and maybe uh, one or two against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Atlanta Falcons, you're a 10-6 team. You know what I mean? That's how fast your season can change and how quick it can get out of hand. Uh, but for the Lions, I think around eight or nine games will be... Definitely second in their division to the Packers. Yes, second in the division to the Packers. So we're counting them above the Vikings and Bears. Yes, they will They will be above the Vikings, above the Bears. Bears. Now, if the Vikings get their offensive line situated and healthy, I think the Vikings could potentially head above the Detroit Lions if they get their offensive line down, which I do not think they will. See, I think the Vikings are going to take that second-place spot. I just don't see the Lions improving from last year. I think last year is as good as they're going to get with this roster. I mean, you you have to look around. Who is Stafford going to get the ball to now? Stafford has not changed his mechanics. He's still that sidearm-throwing guy. And he's, he's a gunslinger. He can throw the ball a lot. Very inaccurate at times. His medium game. Everyone's got to stay game. healthy. You're right. Everyone's got to stay healthy for them to have a shot. Last year, though, they had the division in their grasp, and Green Bay went on an eight-game win streak. They had the division. You got to win football games at some point. If you're the Detroit Lions, you got to start winning. You can't. You can't just lean on the fact that you get a, a, a you know catch a few breaks every now and then against Green Bay, or you beat the Bears twice. Well, those, at some point, you have to actually win those legit games. Still, though, would get crushed by the Seattle Seahawks or the Giants when they inevitably would play them in the playoffs. Um, again, more on off the edge of Ford Marino. We've got kind of a, a weird feud in college football going on right now uh, and more Daily Edge news. after. The- Coming back into off the edge with Ford and Marino. Time for another edition of Daily Edge news. Let's jump right into it. All right. Minnesota Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor said Monday that he wants former number one pick Andrew Wiggins' commitment to be a better player before offering him the max level extension near $150 million over the next five years. Wants his commitment to be a better player? Wow. I mean, I think this is a lot of employers, isn't it? I mean, well, hey, yes, you, you, for you get, sure. You but get the raise if you commit to being a better player for us. Is he not already committed to being the best player he can be, though? Maybe that's a sign that maybe Andrew Wiggins has not shown the commitment to being the best player he can possibly that's be. That's an awkward story to me. That's awkward. I feel uncomfortable reading it's, that story. It, I mean, but at the same time, I feel like this is all NBA owners. I, I, I feel like that what's – the, what's the Rockets owner's name? Oh, my oh, goodness. It, it's, it slips my mind. That's why I can't think of it right now. But I feel like if, if you're in that room about to offer James Harden that big deal, wouldn't you be like, yeah, James, we're going to offer you all this. But you got to be committed to being the best James Harden. You can't just be the James Harden that you've been the last few seasons. We need you to be even better than this. So Darryl, I feel like this is—I feel like this is a fair, a fair statement. Now, sure, you don't want to make this public, maybe necessarily, but I feel like this is what you would always ask of your players. Yes, yeah, Daryl Morey is the GM. Daryl Morey, and then the go. Rockets yeah. owner is is Liesl Alexander or something—a very okay. all right, there we go, elder yeah. gentleman who. Could probably so Maury probably had that conversation with James Harden with his checkbook. Yes, for sure. Probably had that conversation with him. Here's the thing with Wiggins though: they brought in more assets. They brought in Jimmy Butler. They have Carl Anthony Towns. They brought in Jeff Teague, Tyus Jones, and they have Shabazz Muhammad. They're trying to make a playoff push here. I think they're trying to avoid like what happened with LeBron in Cleveland where it's LeBron's ship and it's LeBron's way or the highway. I think they're trying to say, hey, we're going to go a team-oriented route here. And, we're, and hey, we can't pay everyone max contracts, so you're going to have to – if you're getting a max contract, you're going to have to be the, the Captain Jack Sparrow Andrew of the Andrew Wiggins is going to go out there and try and just show out this next season. Now he's got all those assets. Now I think what Glenn Taylor's basically saying is, hey, we got you the help. 
Now go out there and prove to us you're worth the extension. Go out there and play like you're a max contract guy. I agree with I that. I like it. Toss it. All right. With no NFL team calling his name, former Cleveland Browns quarterback Johnny Manziel said he'd consider college coaching and pondering his future. I'd want to be involved in sports in some way, whether it's coaching, whether it's doing something like that. So I think that'd be my route, Manziel said. I don't like this story. I don't know about you guys, but I i mean, look, I loved Johnny Manziel when he was in college, and I know y'all were laughing. Were you trying like to hold up. the jersey up, Hub? Hub was just trying to show his support for Johnny Manziel because he loves him so much. But look, I, I just I don't think this is this would be, this would work out very well. Now we saw Lavar Ball has been a head coach for his son's AAU team. We see how that works out. Manziel being in coaching just doesn't smell right to me. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't it doesn't seem like it'd be a good fit. I mean, I, and plus I don't see how players would take him seriously. To a certain extent, I, I don't see how oh. if if he's refer now it depends on what he's referring to college or NFL. I don't know if he was talking about coaching in the NFL. High school, I could see him as Co- a high school coach. Well, with his resume, kids are going to take him seriously. The dude's a Heisman Trophy winner, I, no, knocked off no, powerhouse no, Alabama on the road. No, see this within A and M's first year in the. Oh, he did the money regime but, sign and but, flicked off an entire other team during a game. But li- this is what I'm saying. Sure, they're going to respect him for his football knowledge, but you know when you look at a coach. You think of a father figure, thinking of a guy who's going to have like life lessons for you that you got to take seriously in a locker room yeah. setting. It's a like, business like setting. Take an example. Hugh yeah. Setting example for you the set young examples kids. For the players. But that's the thing. Hugh Freeze came off as, you know, the Christian godly guy, and you know, ended up pocket dialing an escort. Yeah, but Johnny Manziel's already got this on his yeah, resume. Johnny it's not Manziel like Hugh Freeze already, had this and then he went into coaching. I see where you're coming at. Johnny yeah. Manziel already has this doc now, against how him. How about this? How about this? Hugh Freeze and Johnny Manziel and don't say I'm crazy. Marino always calls me crazy whenever I come up with something. Uh, go to Alabama, fix their reputation like Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian did, and then they go out and find big jobs. I, I could, would love to see Johnny I Manziel could see as a Manziel coach. end up at like a EMCC, do something like Clint Trickett did. And then kind of just climb your way up the coaching ladder because Trickett's now the tight ends coach at FAU with Kiffin. Saying this though, saying this, Johnny Manziel will never be in coaching. There's no he has he's old money, old oil money from Texas. There's no way in ever Johnny and because Manziel, of his fault in the NFL, I think he has zero credibility for yeah, being a head coach. Uh, yeah, that's just not. Hold up your jersey. Go ahead and hold it up. You ready? To toss it. Yeah, toss it. Toss it. Minnesota head coach P.J. Fleck says that the Golden Gophers are a sleeping giant in the Big Ten. The Gophers are projected to go 4-8 and eight and finish 5th in their division. I think this is crazy. I think for P.J. Fleck to say this, he must be a sleeping giant in that division with Wisconsin, Iowa. I just I don't I don't see where you you get a sleeping giant from that. Now I, I PJ Fleck I think is a good coach. I think Minnesota will definitely be a team probably better than four wins. I think finishing fifth in their division is a little low for them to be predicted to go. I think they could go at least with maybe third or fourth in this division. But with Wisconsin in this and I know I, I just don't see you've it. You've got an Ohio State team um, that is poised to win another championship. You've got a, a national championship. A yes, yeah. a Wisconsin team that is at ten and a half games, and then you have a Penn State team who's got to fall in there somewhere and because Michigan. they've become very good. And then Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. So you've got what four four and then big Iowa, name Iowa's teams. already there at eight went always there at you know, eight to nine wins. And now you've got the Golden Gophers saying that they're a sleeper team. Well, PJ Fleck, he's a motivational guy, remember? He said, You got a date. That date's with Destiny. Now go pick her up. That's how he motivated his team. Which I think he's a great coach. So you're I think this guy is going to get Minnesota competing for eight eight wins a season in the future. But I think this is his first year, correct? I mean like he's inheriting a mess. Go yeah, go coach him all the way to the, the Tale of Two Rivers Bowl and the Little Caesars Bowl. Yeah, in go. Yeah, go. Go to the Coconut Bowl in Hawaii and and just be content. I think with this going is more of an emotional five. response from them being projected to go four and eight because when you get when you when somebody he's, says yeah, you he's go trying four to and eight, you know yeah. that's that, that's kind of a slap in the face. He's trying program. to fire the you're fans. Just trying up. to get you, yeah, like your fans and your players say, you know what? Let's go out there and prove we're better than four and eight. Toss it. All right, Colin Coward says he is baffled. At the notion that Aaron Rodgers needs another ring to cement his legacy. 
No, I don't think I don't think Tom Brady needed another ring to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think LeBron James needs another ring to be the greatest basketball player of all time. We've seen his body of work. Aaron Rodgers is an exceptional talent. Marino and I argued over text probably three hours the other night about Aaron Rodgers. Would you say it was longer? It was. It, it probably was longer. It was probably about an we hour. Took time yeah. in between. It was, probably eat and it, like it was, sleep and it was annoy- It was annoyingly so. long. Uh, but, but it was argue. a great. We, we should have this conversation over air because it would have made great. So I think Aaron Rodgers, though, as a talent, comes back, has a great eight-game stretch last year. This man, if you take him outside of the Packers, they're a three-win team. I mean, seriously, realistically, that outside of Aaron Rodgers, the Packers are a disorganized organization who cannot sign big free agents or even keep the guys on their team. I, I, I don't. I just don't think How the Packers good are that good. Is, is the Pack is, is Mike McCarthy's career without Aaron Rodgers? If he never oh, has Aaron goodness, Rodgers, middle of the pack. It's just, goodness, great. I would. Oh, I don't wow. think it'd be middle of the pack. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Does not need another ring. There's no way he needs another ring. I, look, Drew has been sitting there in the in the booth this whole time. I wish. I wish we could hear him talk today. A little technical difficulties, but I know he would jump in on this seg. I can just see him just chomping at the bits. Look at him in there. No, Aaron Rodgers. Though I think now. Does he need it to cement his legacy as one of the greatest? No. But does he need it necessarily to put him in the categories of the Tom Brady's, of the Joe Montana's? Would it boost it? Oh, yes. well, of course. I, I think potentially you But does need, he need it? No. You need more rings to solidify yourself as one of the, the greatest, maybe. But he's obviously top ten of all time. You can just see it by the way his mechanics are. It's just well, it's just one fluid motion. Brett Favre, only won, he, Brett Favre only won one ring. Yeah, well, some people would argue if he is top ten or not. Well... Brett Favre is very beloved. Was he actually top ten? Eh, I, I, I don't know. We, we, we could argue that one all day, too. But Aaron Rodgers, I think, is a top ten talent. Now he's got to put the hardwood behind it, I think. Toss it. All right, last. Bear with me on this one. A New Mexico man is facing charges of disorderly conduct and indecent exposure after he allegedly peed on a family at Friday's Metallica concert in Glendale, Arizona. Daniel Dadio, 44, of Albuquerque, was arrested after a family of three told employees at University of Phoenix Stadium that they felt warm liquid washing over their backs and legs, according to KNX TV. The father, who was attending the show with his wife, and a 10-year-old daughter told police when he turned around, he saw the suspect urinating. How did this get put in there? <laughs> How, who put this? In? Drew, did you did you do Daily Edge News today? He's shaking I, his head yes in there. Look at him. Yeah, you did Daily Edge News, didn't you? I told you this story was going to be this, great. This is, I, I don't know whether to laugh or to go take a shower and make sure I scrub my back. I feel dirty after just hearing Another that. Another Bama fan at Crystal's in yeah, New Orleans. I, I, goodness gracious. This sounds like a Bourbon Street balcony incident all day long. <laughs> this is, na- that is, this is a family show hub, Andrew. That's nasty. How about, how about the fact that it was at a Metallica concert, though? That, that like this just. What's Metallica's best song? Ooh, is it uh, Sandman? Is that, is that, is that their song? Right. Enter Sandman. And yeah. that is Daily Edge News. Goodness Daily gracious. Edge you can't give anybody any anything around here without <laughs> them putting in a, a urine story. I thought about it was pretty a family. funny. It, it's, it's funny, but it's so gross that I'm going to have I mean, to make. I mean, it's gross, but it's, I mean, it's not like something never put just. the word genitals into a script. Hub, you're just mic away from you. We can still hear you. It's not like the mic just is cut off. No, that. we're still live, Hub. We're still we're still live. Right now, we're going. We're live. Hub. Oh. Hey, hey buddy, you're broadcasting. My bad. Hey, you're broadcasting, buddy. <laughs> oh, this man, is fantastic. This, is, this has been a crit. Wow, what a show. We've got one more thing to wrap up with. We have a college quarterback situation at Alabama that has been confusing over the past couple of years. You've seen the the AJ McCarrens, the Cokers come through there um, and set kind of the McElroys set kind of uh, legacy, right? So uh, now that we've got this kind of this change up last year, we don't know what to think. We've got uh, Blake Barnett coming out talking bad about the greatest college football coach of all time. You got Jalen Hurts never going to say a word about it, and then. Rosen comes out, UCLA's star-studded quarterback, and says that if you raise Alabama's SAT scores to get into the school, the football would not be there. Football and school do not mix, and that's why UCLA struggles and Alabama is so good because they don't have great SAT scores and they can lower, they can, they can let kids in with a lower GPA 
essentially they're not as not smart, smart as say a UCLA program is, which I mean, when you think about it, Alabama's not, you know, is not known for their immense education history as compared to a UCLA or USC or a California school. Yeah, I mean, I, this this story just it seems to just reek of jealousy, entitlement, from, envy from college kids. Uh, Blake Barnett probably still a little butt hurt about last last year, and Cooper again, Bateman, Marino still a family show. Be careful. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Uh, I, I look at this and. You think how much does this actually weigh into what Nick Saban actually is looking for when he looks into a quarterback is communication on competition. I don't, I don't think that Nick Saban cares about how his players think that the competition's going or him communicating and voicing his opinion about the, the, the competition. Nick Saban's only job is to put the best players on the field that he thinks is ready to go and gives him the best chance to win on Saturdays. That's his one job. His his pressure the the pressure on him to from paycheck to paycheck is to make sure that he wins on Saturdays. So wh- whoever it is that's going to be the best guy to give him the chance to win on Saturdays is the guy he's going to put out there. If Jalen Hurts gives him the best chance to win, he's going to put Jalen Hurts out there. If Blake Barnett had risen to the challenge and been that guy, he would have been on the field. There's no way that you can tell me if Blake Barnett was the best quarterback that he wouldn't have played. No, you're you're a thousand percent right because if and this is how it is in the NFL as well. If you're talented, if you're the best player on the field, you will play. If Colin Kaepernick played like Aaron Rodgers, he would play. Uh, if Blake Barnett had this great arm that everyone said he did coming out of high school, he would still be at Alabama and he would be the starter. Jalen Hurts, an 18 year old kid, would not have started over him. Uh, Blake Barnett, this is just. He's he's upset. He's mad. He's sad. He he doesn't know what to think. He's a young guy um, who is used to being this all-star California QB stud, and he came to Alabama, and he didn't get treated right in his eyes. Then he goes to – where is he at, Arizona State now? He's at Arizona State. And 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 you told me he's not going to be the starter. Yeah, well, that well, came out from the uh, Arizona State Sentinel that – Wilkins, I don't know what his first name is, something Wilkins is the quarterback that they listed as the starter going into their first practice. He took the most of the first team reps over Barnett. And then Barnett's comment afterwards to a reporter was, it's just football. And probably the most saddest voice you can think of, right? He's, I, 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 I don't think this is – because you haven't heard of any other former quarterbacks from Nick Saban's complain about this but they but but Barnett and Bateman both said that they did not honestly communicate how the quarterback battle would play out in last year's season opener against USC Bateman said long story short I was just as surprised as everyone else it wasn't really how it was told to me it was going to be and I get it to a certain extent if Nick Saban is just not communicate with you how you're going to play in this game. If he says you're going to get 15 reps apiece or 20 reps apiece, I get it. If that's communication, to a certain degree, I understand that. But if he's not telling you how the race is going or how the QB battle is working out, I have no problem with this. Because guess what? It keeps it a competition. Because if I'm sitting here saying, oh, yeah, babe, oh, yeah, Cooper, this is going to be your job, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. And, and then, so, yeah, job. so then what does the next guy do? He just puts on the back burners. No, he just, you, you he just, he just hangs out. You don't tell guys how a game plan is going to work out. Yeah. If, if, if you're, That's if, why you're the coach. If you plan on a solid quarterback competition and you plan on playing two guys, now, Nick Saban did do this in the past with Phillip Sims and A.J. McCarron. He played them in two halves. Sims got the first half, McCarron got the second half. And it just so happened that McCarron was playing so well in the second half, he basically carried the team over to Penn State. That was when they were playing in Penn State a few years ago. I can't remember what year exactly it was. But we've seen Nick Saban do a multiple quarterback system in, in for these first games a lot of times. So it, it, it's not anything new. And so I think for Barnett, he couldn't expect anything otherwise. And when Hurts started shining in that first game, it just seemed like it was a no-brainer. He was going to be the starter. Well, it stinks, Barnett. I guess should have been a better quarterback. I don't know what else to tell you. The entitlement for these college quarterbacks is just astounding. And you see, I haven't even gotten paid yet. The well, it's it, and it's not even the quarterbacks; it's just the players. You look at Ezekiel Elliott challenging Urban Meyer a few years ago about the play calling up there in Ohio State. 
these college players, they come in there, they've been they've been beating their chest, they've been told how great they were in high school, and they get there. They got think, to pick where they wanted to go. Yeah, they, got, they so, get they get to do what they want to do, what jersey number they want to wear. Exactly. And and they and they think that these colleges and these teams, especially these Alabama and Ohio States of the world, that they're not gonna survive without them. As if they're not just reeling in the next Ezekiel Elliott the next year. It's that university. They're getting these talents every single year. You are replaceable for sure. Like Deshaun Hand, Deshaun Hand's replaceable. Uh, just like when Jonathan Allen ran off the field, Deshaun Hand ran on the field. There's another five-star guy coming right behind you, especially at these big universities yeah. like Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, Auburn, LSU. I mean, you have guys lined up just ready to take a shot. Now, there are those rare talents at quarterback that you just can't pass up. I mean, if you got a Johnny Manziel back there, a Tim Tebow back there, I mean, obviously, you know, th- those are some rare talents at the quarterback position. But, I mean, if you're just one of those guys who are just in the just in the train, it's a long transition of just Bateman, Barnett, those kind of guys, I'm sorry, you, you're, you're picking and choosing those guys every so, single year. Not going to happen. It's out. Speaking of going out, Off the Edge of Ford Marino is always brought to you by Blaze Radio. Thank you for joining us today. Hub, thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, you, enjoyed it. Uh, it's always an interesting show when you come on. You know oh, what? I it's, appreciate it. It's, um, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Marino is always a fantastic show, Drew. Thank you very much. Blaze Radio, Off the Edge of Ford Marino. Catch us Thursday at 2 o'clock. Off the Edge, Ford Marino.